Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. So we're going to talk today about how does mercy meet us right in the midst of our failures. The night before Jesus went to the cross, two of his best friends had massive failures. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. And they're not perfect, and neither are you and I. So we have to ask the question, how do we approach our humanity, our our failures, our times when we know we are not all that God wants us to be? We don't do everything the way God wants us to, to do it. Well, Peter experienced this, and I want to look at three of the main reasons why Peter failed, and then I want to look at the three things he did right that I hope will help you and me have great experiences of God's mercy in our lives. The first main cause of Peter's personal failure when he denied the Lord three times was that he was overestimating his strength. And anytime you and I overestimate our strength, you know there's the statement, pride goes before the fall. Jesus and his disciples had just finished their final supper together, and, and Jesus made this statement to his disciples. Matthew 26, 33. Tonight, all of you will desert me. And Peter, you know, being this kind of rough and self-confident and kind of cocky guy, verses 33 through 35, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you, Jesus. I tell you the truth, Peter, Jesus said, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Absolutely not, Peter insisted. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. Sense the confidence, sense the sense of strength, and all the other disciples vowed the same. Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us this. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fail. And none of us are exempt from that. We can get to where you think, I got this. I can do this. I don't need anyone or anything. I can do this. But given the right situation, there's probably no sin, no area of disobedience that you and I couldn't be a part of. So don't overestimate your strength. Number two, Peter feared the disapproval of others. And that's a big struggle for most of us. We want people to look at us and think we are something. We want people to look at us and appreciate us and love us and respect us. And every time we make a decision based on what others think, we become people pleasers. And when you and I become people pleasers, we become cowards. One thing I learned many years ago is as a pastor, I cannot be a people pleaser because there's absolutely no way to please all you people. Okay? Yeah? Just no way. 
So what you have to do in your life and in my life is we have to seek to please God the best we know how and then expect him to do his work and bring his good stuff out of that. Well, Peter shows us his, his thinking he had to please people in Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 70. It says this, Meanwhile, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came over and said to him, You were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And all of a sudden, this guy who said, I will never deny you, became a coward. Because he felt he had to please that person. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear, people, is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. When we fear people, when we try to live to please people, when we try to get into this performance trap, it'll always make us weaker. We'll always find it hard to please God because we're trying to please people, keep everybody happy. The third thing that Peter had as a failure was he spoke without thinking. This is something I think that was pretty characteristic of him. He was pretty impetuous, and he just blurted out stuff. You know, that's why he said, I'll never deny you, and ah, you know. All that stuff. Well, we can so easily speak impulsively and rashly and thoughtlessly. Many times we just say whatever we're thinking. And some people say, well, that's courageous to, to say whatever I'm thinking. I, I, that's the way I do it. I want you to know that's not courageous. That's immaturity. See, that's what children do. <laughs> children just blurt out everything they're thinking without thought of anyone else. So it's not courageous, but that's what Peter did. It was one of his reasons for failure. Notice Matthew 26, 71 through 74. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And then immediately, <laughs> that silly old rooster crowed. See, swearing is always a sign of frustration, Okay. When you swear, you're not thinking logically, you're acting emotionally. It's speaking without thinking. When, when, when people swear, uh, they're not thinking of the other people around them. When people swear, especially when Christians swear, we're not thinking about the witness that we are giving to other people. It's amazing how much foul communication can come out of the mouths of people who say they are filled with the Spirit of God and that they are seeking to follow Jesus Christ in their lives. But Peter did that. The reason he did because he was speaking without thinking. Peter did three things wrong. 
He overestimated his strength. He feared the disapproval of others, and he spoke without thinking. Now, it's kind of discouraging to think about that because I wouldn't doubt but what most all of us in here have done those three things. I certainly have. So is there any hope for us, huh? Well, yeah, it's the mercy of God. See, that's our hope. So let me show you the three things that Peter did right. And hopefully we've all experienced these things in our lives. First of all, Peter grieved. He grieved. We must not minimize or excuse our failure or pretend it didn't happen. Often when we fail, we just want to forget it. We want to push it down. We want to kind of squeeze it in. We want to stuff our emotions and go on to the next thing. But here's a key understanding. We never learn by denying our failure. We never learn unless we face that failure and grieve over it. By that I mean admit I was wrong. Notice what Peter did. Matthew 26, 75. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. Remember he said in his self-confidence, no, 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 I'll never do that. But he realized, oh my God, I denied you. And he went out and he wept bitterly. Now that's grieving. And here's a key statement. If we don't learn from our failures, nothing changes. Because you see, if we don't learn from our failures and grieve over it and repent of it and turn from it, then what we do is we carry that old me into every new thing that we try. So if we don't grieve over a failure in a job, perhaps in relationships or whatever it may be, if we don't grieve over that and learn from it and, and correct whatever was wrong there, we'll carry that right into a new job. If we don't learn in any relationship we're in that falls apart or that it becomes very bitter or hurtful, if we don't learn what caused that and repent of that and grieve over it and make sure that that's, that's dealt with and identified and ask God for victory over, we'll carry that old right into any new thing that we try. Be it a dream, be it a job, be it a marriage, be it whatever. King David learned that from his adultery. You remember King David? Bathsheba? In Psalm 51, 17, he says this, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. So first and foremost, that's the miracle of mercy. You see, when we come to God and say, God, I failed in this. I did this wrong. Then God is gracious and merciful to us to help us move on, but to learn from that and correct it so we don't carry it on into the future. Second thing Peter did that was right is Peter relied on his life group. I think this is so interesting because um, remember Jesus said, all you disciples are going to go betray me? Okay. So Jesus was crucified. And the Bible says on Easter morning, 
the woman went to the tomb, saw Jesus' body wasn't there, and the angel said to this woman, go tell the disciples. Now watch where the disciples were her. Mark 16.10. She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping. They were in their little life group, okay? They were in a room together, somewhere grieving and weeping, but they were there together. And that's why we went ahead and had church today. It had been very easy to cancel church because on the bottom of the television, everybody else was. But we need to be together as much as we possibly can be. Do some Korobos and Krotos. But be together. Not be afraid of that. Um, and so they were together in their little life group, and that's where they were finding strength in the midst of all their weeping and their grieving. And then she told them what happened. I've been in life groups for 50 years, and I can tell you some of the great, great things that have happened in those life groups have just been life-changing for me. There's always a strength when you're together with other people that you know love you and care, and you love them and you care. There's always strength in that. But I've seen God work in so many marriages and in so many lives and seen so many people come to know Christ and seen so much growth in a lot of people's lives through these life groups. We need that. I would encourage you to join a life group and be a part of it because it is a great blessing. Matthew, Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. See, anytime we get together, the reason we're having church today is because anytime we get together, God's spirit is there and God meets with us and God encourages us and we go out stronger into the week to live for him. It's very important. Very important. So I'd encourage you to join a group when you have that opportunity in the next month. And then the third thing Peter did right is he chose God's mercy. Peter had a massive failure. Man, when you three times just write blatantly after Jesus already told you, then you go right out and you do it, he had a massive failure. And you know what he could have done? He could have wallowed in his guilt and in his, his condemnation, his shame, his regret, but he chose to believe in and receive God's mercy in his life. And so he writes a couple of books that ended up in the New Testament toward the end. First Peter, Second Peter. Let me tell you what he says in First Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God. See, Peter found his strength. Was he, was he kind of a sleazebag? Yeah. Was he kind of a failure? Yeah. Did he deny Jesus? Yeah. But listen to what he says, because he found mercy. He came to realize, God forgives me of that. No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter what has happened in my life, God forgives me of that. And so in 1 Peter 1, 3, you read, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. That's a living hope. And then, just a little later in his same book, he, he wrote these words. He said, 1 Peter 5, 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. See, Peter had to learn that. 
because he was there weeping and grieving bitterly. But he realized, my goodness, I can do that from now till next year at this time. It won't get me anywhere. I got to go to the Lord and repent. That means turn from that. And acknowledge who you are, Lord, and know that I'm already forgiven because you love me so much. And then go forward. And that's how Peter moved forward in his life. Okay? God cared for him. So, what are the five things God does with our failures? Here they are. Okay? He isn't shocked. <laughs> I, think, I think we think, oh my goodness, I just, oh, I failed God. God already knew you were going to do before you ever did it. See what I mean? And, and, and God already loved you, and nothing you do changes his love for you. So he's never shocked. He knows what we're made of. By the way, he experienced all of our temptations, but he didn't sin. So he knows. He didn't do something God didn't know about. Okay? Secondly, he prays for us. He told Peter that he would pray for him. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven right now, interceding, praying for you, for me. It's how much he cares. It's how merciful he is. He believes in us. He believes in us so much that he went to the cross and gave his life on the cross of Calvary. Number four, he shows us mercy when we are down. You know what Jesus did? It was so cool. Peter denied him three times. So three times, a little later on, Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yeah, I love you. And he said, do you really love me? And he said, oh, Lord, I really love you. He said, are you sure you love me? And uh, Peter, the third time, got to say, yes, you know I love you. And you see how God's mercy gave him the ability to be forgiven, rebuilt, restored. Everything's okay. Because he said, now, go feed my sheep. The fifth thing is, and this is so cool, God uses failures to build his church. Uh, I often wonder sometimes why God doesn't choose people like Brad Pitt, and I don't know, maybe he's a Christian, I don't know, or, or you know, Angelina Jolie, or and who, name, name your pretty person, okay? <laughs> name your famous person, name your oh, cool person. Why doesn't he choose them and chose me, freckle-faced little dude from Indiana, okay, you know? Why does he do that? Well, I'm going to tell you, God builds his church on people who are willing to admit, I have failed, I have sinned, I have fallen short of your perfection, O oh Lord. Those are the people he builds his church on. He builds his church on failures who receive his mercy and who become strong through his indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus mercifully said to Peter, and this is such cool scripture, Matthew 16, 18, now I say to you, little stone, because that's what his original name meant, he said, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. 
said, looking right at Peter. And 50 days after Peter had denied Jesus three times, 50 days later, Peter stood up before a crowd of thousands and proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ, and over 3,000 people received Christ as their Savior and were baptized. Tell me, God isn't merciful to us. God wants to use you. He wants to use me in that same way. Well, let's be honest. Uh, we have failed. How many of you in this room have failed? Would you raise your hand? Good. I'm not alone, okay? Because I have also. I, I was thinking as I was working on the lesson, uh, I've been so blessed in my life. I uh, had good parents and a good home and haven't really had many problems. Uh, and out of seminary, uh, Don Morris and I went into a church in Howard City, Michigan, and God blessed the thing and really made an impact in a city there while we were in school. And then we came to Federated in 1970. And we walked right into a, just a gold mine of God's blessing. And uh, for 20 years, for 20 years, we couldn't stop what God was doing. I mean, it just, it just happened. It just happened. It just happened. And I thought to myself, as I was preparing this lesson, I was thinking, you know, I think I did the same thing Peter did. Uh, you know, after you have 20 years of success, really, I mean, things just going almost perfectly, you can overestimate your strength. And... Um, and I found in my own life that uh, I started doing things to be sure that everybody stayed happy. So they were all pleased. And I found that um, I started making statements without thinking. I started making promises to people without thinking through logically what that meant, spiritually what that could mean. And I will tell you that... Uh, I had five years of grieving. I was there 25 years. I had five years of grieving. They were hard years. Really hard years. And I resigned. And within a month, God was merciful and gracious. And, and, uh, and we started another thing called Point of Grace. And man, for 12 years, that thing just couldn't be stopped. It just, oh my goodness, what a deal. So much fun. And uh, then I looked back, and I think I overestimated her strength. You'd think I'd learn, wouldn't you? Dummy. And um, I think I started trying to please people. And I made some commitments without thinking it through. And if I do that, I usually seek to keep it. But um, that opened up six years of grieving. They were hard. Working through things. And I resigned. And then a month later, we started this thing. Now, that's why, you know, you need to pray for me. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, my weakness says, okay, 
And you know what? My, you, there are your weaknesses too, if we aren't careful. If we aren't just daily close to the Lord. And uh, by the way, those two churches don't exist today, and I'd like for this church to last for a while. <laughs> Wouldn't you? So pray for me and slap me around some if I need it, would you? I share that with you only to say we've all had to work our way through some of our failures. That's okay. You know why? Because God's mercy is always greater. And his grace is always available. So today's big question before you and before me is, are we going to respond to our failures like Judas did or like Peter did. Because you see, Judas rejected God's mercy. He looked down. He lived in condemnation. And he gave up. And he had a breakdown. And it cost him his life. Peter accepted God's mercy. He looked up and he started living his life with a great purpose. And Peter had a breakthrough. Not a breakdown. He broke through that by God's mercy and ended up being the rock. Not this guy on television. Peter was the rock. Okay? Peter accepted God's mercy. And that mercy wants to take our biggest failures and turn them into our greatest ministry. So you say, oh, but Tom, you don't know how I failed. You know what? I don't give a rip how you failed. And I will tell you something. Jesus doesn't either. He doesn't. Because he knows his mercy is greater than our weaknesses, our failures, our faults. He's always greater if we look to him. If we try to figure it out, we'll grieve. <laughs> Get ready to weep. If we look to him, he'll show us the way. And he'll use our failure to even open up greater ministry for his glory. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, tells us how to look at our failures and our trials. So, you know, I mean, you just think. Think about any failure you've experienced in your life. Maybe one you're experiencing now. Think about it, okay? And think about it in the light of what God says through James. Dear brothers and sisters... When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, so period of time, God working, it'll take time. But when your endurance is fully developed, you will be, let's read it together, perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many of you would like to be perfect and complete, needing nothing? Did you raise your hand? I sure would. I sure want to be. So the Lord says, hey, just let me keep working. Let me just keep working. That's what my mercy does. It never gives up on you. It never quits. You don't deserve it, but you're going to get it. It just comes. That's the miracle of mercy. My prayer is that you and I will let the Lord do his work of mercy in us and take us from any failure and move us on to his ministry.
perfect, complete, needing nothing. Father, it is so good to know you. It is so good to believe in you because you are the one who meets us right where we are every minute of every day, and your love never changes. Your love never fails. Your mercy is abundant, and you are faithful to meet us and move us forward if we just allow you to lead. So may you be the leader of our lives. I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, that you'll bring them to a personal faith in you and in what your son did for them on the cross. And for all of us who say we are followers of Christ, oh God, may we follow you even better this week than ever before. And if we mess up, may we rejoice. May we admit it and be honest about it, but then may we rejoice in the fact that you already knew about it and you've already forgiven us now. Let's move forward in completion, needing nothing except you. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you will protect each person in this room and each of our people at Simple Church, but also, Lord, all the people who worship you in spirit and truth all over this city, many who can't meet today and others who are. Just help us to love you and grow in you. And I pray you'll use this time of epidemic, pandemic, whatever it is, use it to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be like shining lights to people this week. May we bring glory to your name, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our Simple.Church app.